include anyone present, know of any reason that this couple should not be joined in holy matrimony, speak now or forever hold your peace. Stop! Itigil ang kasal! Oh, Iha, what is your reason for objection? Because this wedding is a sham. We are in love. Huh? You're in love with the groom? No, with the bride. Welcome to Banana Key Podcast. Since Valentine's Day is coming up, as a continuation of last week's online dating episode, we will be talking about where some of those lead up. Sometimes, right? Not all of them, but some of those <laughs> do lead up to weddings. Yay! Am I invited? Not to my wedding, but maybe to other people's <laughs> Yes, this is a very, I don't know, special topic that we love to talk about, right, as Filipinos. Mm -hmm. But before we deep dive into the Catholic wedding celebration, why don't we take a look at other religious ceremonies? Yes. First, let's dive into a Muslim wedding ceremony. Have you been into one, Dee? No, not really. Surprisingly, even though I grew up in Sambuanga City, I don't know why I've never been to one. Mm. So what happens is a Muslim wedding ceremony. Yeah, so I haven't been into one myself. And, and so we, we've taken a look at this website, WeddingWire.com. And here's what you can expect at a Muslim wedding ceremony and reception. Mm-hmm. First, you need to dress respectfully in the mosque and at the reception. So ah. I would say not your typical short skirts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Probably also so, no um, sleeveless or mm. showing your cleavage or whatever, okay? Yes. So it's usually, you know, you dress modestly, long pants, longer dresses and skirts are most appropriate if you're attending. And if you're attending the ceremony, you'll have to remove your shoes in the, in the mosque. Oh, okay. I mean, this is pretty normal in Japan. Like, in Japan, if you enter a house, you have to remove your shoes, right? And mm. in the Philippines as well, right? We have a yeah. special chinelas to get in. <laughs> yes, that's true. But we don't do that for our weddings, right? Like the Catholic weddings. No, we don't. There will be a lot of shoes then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. If you attend a wedding ceremony in the Philippines and you leave your shoes outside... I think it will be difficult yeah. to find <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> No, I I think if yeah, if it were me, I would probably if that was the case, I would have like a mm. separate pouch for my shoes instead so that I wouldn't have trouble finding my shoes, right? Mm. <laughs> or you can put air tags in your shoes. So that you can <laughs> okay, that's a thing. Okay, sure. Mm. All right. And then the next one is men and women will sit separately during a Muslim wedding ceremony. Mm, I didn't know that. All right, okay, interesting. In, in the Philippine setting, it's usually separated according to who do you know uh, in the wedding, right? Are you the bride or the groom's side? Mm. But in here, the, the men and women are split. So that means if you're married, then so your wife will be on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> or your boyfriend or your girlfriend will be <laughs> Yeah, that's true. From you. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that. Mm. And then this one, Muslim wedding ceremonies are short and sweet. The average mm. wedding ceremony is less than an hour, but nikah... A Muslim marriage ceremony will still likely be shortest you've attended. There are three main parts. Let's take a look at it. Mer is the ceremonial presentation of gifts, money, and other meaningful offering to the bride from the groom. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So gifts and money. I wonder what kind of gifts. 
obviously you can't give something bulky right like oh i'll give you a brand new washing machine no, then, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, not no. very ceremonial probably not no or you could just give a voucher for that washing machine or something if that's really mm. what you want to give right <laughs> <laughs> and then the second part is nikanama is the muslim marriage contract that the bride and groom sign in front of their guest oh, okay oh. this is more formal so it's okay. just signing we also have this right? yeah at in the our, end yeah at the end the last one is savaka it's the last part of a muslim wedding ceremony As the couple recesses from the ceremony, the bride is showered with coins in celebration. Oh no, that sounds painful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like they don't throw it at her, like just very gently. Showered, no. But very gently. <laughs> no, but law know. of gravity, it's <laughs> it doesn't alter the fact that... Maybe the coins they choose is like not real coins, but... Fake coins that just look like ours. Mm. I don't know, like actually chocolate gold covered coins. You know those things. <laughs> oh yeah, I love those. Yeah. Or maybe. they use the ten cent coins from the past. Remember those very light uh, five yeah, and ten yeah, cent yeah. coins we used to have in the eighties, nineties, something like that. No, but that's not very photogenic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the chocolate gold ones are. are uh, yeah, that's true. So. You're right. Yeah, I mean, if you've attended in a Muslim wedding ceremony, listeners, please let us know. Yeah. Have you witnessed this? And if so, was the bride wearing a helmet or a head protective <laughs> gear <laughs> to avoid any? Yeah, because you know it's your wedding, and you'll have a lot of bruises otherwise. <laughs> and then the last one is mingling between genders is generally frowned upon. Ah, mm. uh, yeah, that's why they're separated, right? The one mm, you mentioned earlier. So let me read this. If this is your first Muslim wedding, you might need to retrain your reflex to make new friends on the reception dance floor. Don't dance, shake hands, or initiate physical contact with a Muslim person of the opposite gender unless they prompt the interaction. Mm. Oh, yeah, I think it's because they're conservative, right? Like some mm. of the women, they actually have to wear the scarf around their hair, right? Mm. But there's a caveat though, unless they prompt the interaction. Mm. So you just need to make clear. Oh, 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 you see, you see, the lady <laughs> is approaching me and is saying hi, hello. I'm just uh, responding. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. So the next one we'll talk about is the Hindu wedding. Mm. So I've never been to one. How about you? Have you been to I've one? I've never been to I one. I mean, no. we have had a lot of colleagues in Singapore who were Indian, and I've heard mm. of their weddings, but I actually have not been to one. So I just went to this website called hitch.co.uk, which talks about this, right? So if an invite to a Hindu wedding has dropped onto your doormat, you may be wondering why your invitation appears to span over more than one date. It's because Hindu weddings involve lots of different rituals and traditions for both the bride and groom and their families and friends. This is why Hindu wedding celebrations tend to last for an entire week. What? There are so many traditions to follow that it's simply impossible to honor them all in one day. So you thought like the Philippine weddings are too much, but nope, that's nothing compared. One week? That's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy, right? Who? Who? Who can like? <laughs> Do you have enough VLs? Can, yeah. <laughs> that's you a good question. You would spend five days of vacation leave. Oh no, seven days of vacation leave. Mm, yes. Oh, I'm attending a wedding, and what if you have a lot of friends? So oh, yeah. you would beg your friends, please. Don't get married in the same year. Otherwise, <laughs> I won't have enough vacation leaves. Yeah, probably. I would think so. So let's talk about some of those celebrations that they have, right? So the Mendi ceremony is a pre-wedding celebration for the bride. 
Her hands, arms, feet, and lower legs are painted with intricate natural henna designs as both a blessing and a beautification ritual. The process can take hours depending on the nature of the designs. It is said that the darker the henna ink, the stronger the marriage will be, and the more well-liked she will be by her future mother-in-law. Okay. <laughs> that is very important. <laughs> that is very important. So, uh-huh. henna artist, you better make sure you use a dark colored henna. Mm. Hey, why don't you just use like a permanent marker, like pencil pen? <laughs> I don't need then, it. Then you will have that forever. I don't know. The likability is not depending on how long it's there, right? That's interesting. So, while the bride is getting tattooed, people will watch they can be part of it also the entourage they can also have the henna ink ah, so it, it's not permanent you, right yeah and then another one is this I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly it's sangit which translate as sung together is a pre-wedding party for the couple's family and friends prior to the ceremony when traditional wedding songs are sung family and guests mm. dance together to blow off steam and excitement for the big day Expect live music, perhaps a DJ, choreographed dances, and a rainbow of opulent outfits. So the choreographed dances, is, I'm imagining it's similar to those Bollywood dances that we see on the movies, right? <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah, in fact, I, just last night I was watching this movie which is called The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. So it's based in India and the owner of the hotel got married in the film. I mean, that was one of the scenes, right? And then there was like choreographed dancing, definitely. So ah, I see, I see, <laughs> yeah, I see. yeah. Why, why is it called The Best Exotic Hotel? Like the, there are animals? No, that? not really. That's the name of his hotel. I don't know why that's what he named it. So he named his hotel The Best Exotic Hotel. Yeah, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. <laughs> Um, okay. okay. <laughs> so let's move on to the actual wedding day. So traditionally, mm. on the morning of the wedding, many couples choose to participate in a haldi ceremony. This involves the bride and groom being painted and massaged by loved ones and their respective wedding parties using a turmeric-based paste for good luck, purification, mm. and to give skin a glow before the wedding ceremony. All right. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I like that. And then the wedding ceremony itself involves a lot of steps. Uh, the unique one is the Saptapadi, mm-hmm. the seven sacred steps around the fire. Ooh. To signify the viability of the ceremony, a fire is kept burning in the middle of the mandap to bear witness to the marriage. Offerings are made to the fire during the ceremony. The bride and groom hold hands and take seven sacred steps together around the fire while the priest chants Vedic mantras, representing the seven sacred vows of marriage. This ritual marks the beginning of the bride and groom's journey as a married couple. Wait, hold on. Around the fire, right? Yeah, like not, not, not onto the fire. Not through the fire. Not through the fire. Okay. No, not, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Interesting. Uh, yeah. That would have been a sight. And the next one is a Jewish wedding. Mm, have you been into one? No. I don't even know any Jewish people. Do you? <laughs> no. I don't think not I really. No, not really personally. Okay, so. Does Ted Mosby count? I can't remember if he was Jewish. I don't know. So, what is a Jewish wedding like? Yeah, let's take a look. So, according to that same web- website, hitch.co.uk, If you've already got the invite, you probably know this already. But a Jewish wedding will usually take place on a Sunday Mm. because Saturday is the Sabbath. Oh, Oh, yeah. 
So they are very much evening affairs with a ceremony which we call the chupa, starting late afternoon, going into the reception, then dinner with dancing. Mm, mm, very okay. similar then. So that chupa, that's like a, a canopy ah. made of four posts. So wh- whenever I see like a movie... Uh, of a wedding that's done outside of a church, that's usually the setup, right? It's like a canopy. Oh, yeah. True. And then expect to hear some beautiful Hebrew singing before and during the wedding ceremony. Mm, mm. Okay. At the end of the ceremony, the groom is invited to smash the glass, mm. which is a reminder that not all occasions are joyous, but this is a joyous moment and following the smashing of the glass, all of the guests erupt into applause and song. Don't be surprised to hear everyone shouting, Masel Tov, which means congratulations. Oh, I've definitely heard of Masel Tov. Yeah, and then that before. glass part, right? It's always featured in movies where there's like a mm. Jewish wedding. And usually they would put the bride and groom on top of, uh, they would sit on chairs and they would carry the chairs. Have you seen oh, those? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I've seen that as well. Yeah, it's usually after Masel Tov. And I've seen some tov. accidents happen <laughs> during that <laughs> event as well. Oh my gosh, okay. In in the but movies, this, right? <laughs> this sounds dangerous, right? I wonder what type of glass they would... The, the groom has to wear at least a, a durable pair of shoes, right? Yeah, but I think usually leather shoes would be durable, right? It's the bride that I would be worried about if she's wearing like flimsy sandals or something, right? So she just mm. should make sure No, it but it's the, it's the groom who will break. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good well, then. He just needs to make sure that none of the shards would, you know, <laughs> fly go towards. Away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. So let's take a look at what Jewish wedding traditions sh- that we should be aware of. Okay. So, regardless of your relationship with a couple, you will definitely be encouraged to participate in the Israeli dancing. Wow, and dancing. If you're a close friend and part of the bride's groom or parties, you may also be included in their pre-wedding traditions. Ah. Yeah, a lot of dancing, I imagine. So the next one, we'll talk about Buddhist weddings. And according to the same website, some Buddhists consult their horoscopes to identify an auspicious day to get married. And this can also mm. be the case for planning engagements. So as we know, right, Chinese are superstitious and they believe in their own set of horoscopes. So this is not like Scorpio or Leo or Virgo, right? This mm. is they have their own the year of the rat, the year of and speaking of which while we're recording this, this is act today is actually Chinese New Year. And so yep. for Chinese, today is the start of the year of the tiger. Yes. The year of the tiger. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, so that is why they have their own beliefs as, and they're actually very much into these kinds of things like the dates. Mm. While it's not a tenet of Buddhism, it's also common among Buddhist communities in Asia and India that many couples visit a temple to submit their birthdays so that the monks can divine the ideal wedding dates. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's very specific. And I think um, there's something called buzz, or I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, wherein you could actually ask uh, an astrologer or, you know, somebody could read your horoscope based on, as they mentioned, their birthday. And they also need a specific time you were born. Mm, oui. Is that something that you know? Like the specific time that you were born? My mom liked to tell me what time I was born. So that's why I know that. But yeah, you usually wouldn't, right? Like, why would you know that? No, it's not in the <laughs> certificate, I imagine. No, but I think it would be in the hospital, you know, the record. Hmm. 
So other traditions can include a pre-wedding feast with both of the couple's family, typically held at the bride's house, whereby the groom brings gifts and the families decide on everything from the dishes to be served to the best color themes for the wedding. Okay, interesting that this is being done by the whole family, right? It's usually in the Philippines, it's usually just the bride and groom who decide on this. Yeah, things, how right? long will that party end? <laughs> 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 like, if the entire family decides, I don't know how... Is that gonna be democratic? Who wants a motif of gold? Okay, raise your hand. I object. And then there's an objection. Then how many votes will... Oh, no. That sounds, I don't know, troublesome. <laughs> yes, indeed. But yeah, apparently, maybe because Chinese families, uh, where Buddhists are usually Chinese, right? But also, I think, Indian. But anyway, both Chinese and Indian are very family-centric, right? So that's probably why mm. it's like that. The Buddhist couples often visit a temple before the marriage or early on their wedding morning to make merit. This could involve taking gifts of flowers, money, and or food to the temple for the monks who will then bless the couple. In addition to an early morning temple visit and meditation and prayer in front of a statue of Buddha, couples may incorporate elements of a traditional Chinese wedding if they have Chinese heritage. It's also customary for the mother of the groom to give the bride a pair of earrings or precious jewelry. Hmm. And then, as for the ceremony itself, it's very likely to be shorter than a religious wedding as there is no predetermined structure or liturgy. The couple can write their own vows, including any readings they like, and pick music that's personal to them and within the bounds of civil wedding laws in the country of marriage. For my experience, I've never been to a Buddhist wedding ceremony itself. I only went to mm. the reception because in Singapore, the wedding ceremony is usually a small event just for the family and the I think the close friends, you know, the ones who are the mm. bridesmaid and the groomsmen. So that's yeah. why I've never experienced one. And usually it's a short event. And then after that, the reception is the one that's big, which we could have like 400 guests or something like that. Yeah. I can imagine it being short if the bride and the groom get to decide <laughs> <laughs> what happens in the ceremony, right? Like yeah. for me personally, I just want it to be solemn and make it quick and mm -hmm. head to the reception as fast as he could. Yeah, but then I would say that Philippine... Catholic weddings are the opposite, right? When it comes to yes, it's long, yes, which okay. maybe you can discuss that. Sure. First of all, it's different from the other ceremonies because aside from the bride and groom, we have an an entire entourage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have flower girls, we have groomsmen, bridesmaid, and then we have ring bearer. Secondary sponsor. Secondary sponsor. And there's, yeah, that concept of sponsors <laughs> yes. is unique to the, mm. I don't know, our scene, our wedding ceremony scene, right? So we have two sponsors, primary sponsor and secondary. The primary are those couples that are a significant part of the couple's life. They're usually older people, right? They're supposed to be yeah. wise and give you advice maybe in the future if you need them, supposedly. Anyway, yes, they're supposed to be the model married couple mm. for you to follow in the future. Yeah, so those are the primary sponsors and the secondary sponsors have a part in the ceremony itself. Mm. So there's a coin sponsor. So they bring coins. The wedding mass is actually long because it's a mass, like a typical yeah. Catholic mass. But there's other stuff in there, which as he, as he mentioned, there's rituals in there, which is the coin. I, I don't know why 
maybe it's to yeah. signify fortune for the couple or something. So yeah, the the secondary sponsor. That's one of each gender, right? Uh, there's a female mm. one. There's a male one. Yes, bring the coins. Then there's also a veil. To pin the veil on the yeah. Pin the veil. Mm-hmm. And there's also a cord sponsor. So is it, you're like getting tied physically <laughs> with a veil and a cord. Yeah, but is it the same one? Mm. I thought wasn't there a candle or something? Ah, there's a candle as well. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Apparently, there's four candle sponsors. And you were talking about candle sponsors earlier being the most nervous bunch because <laughs> <laughs> they're in the spotlight, right? <laughs> yeah, because you're handed a matchbox, right? And then, like, I remember, I, I don't remember if I was actually ever a candle sponsor. But one mm. of my friends, I think, was, and she was practicing before that. Because, because <laughs> <laughs> she might not know how to light it, which is quite funny. Because yeah, you have something to be nervous about. Because, like, you know, you're nervous. There are so many people watching. You might forget how to light a match or whatever, mm. right? Or you might accidentally set fire to the bride or whatever. That's, like, terrible. <laughs> because there's a veil nearby. <laughs> and what if you... you prepared too much that you actually left only one <laughs> match stick and then it failed so you better have like a backup lighter yeah, on your pocket right just in case that happens <laughs> yeah it's so and funny it's difficult because it's warm in the philippines right and usually mm. in in a church there's a very big electric fan oh yeah in front near the altar so <laughs> <laughs> try lighting a candle <laughs> in that circumstance, right? It's, mm. it's really quite a chance. So obviously, the, the Philippine wedding, a Catholic wedding, there's a lot of rituals, a lot of symbology, right? As we said, it's a mass. So there's like the priest mm. has a prayer. And then at some point, the priest would also give a speech. Mm. Usually it's tailored to the couple. And then the people also take communion. So if you have like... Yes. More than 100 people. So that takes a lot of time, right? Yeah. And the homily is usually shorter so that it accounts for the other stuff. So usually an hour. Okay, okay. Then after the wedding, usually the couple would go elsewhere. They would do a photo shoot. Yes. With the gown and and all. So unlike other countries, like in Singapore, they would do that before the wedding day. Yeah. Usually they would have a prenuptial. And then they would Mm. already be in the wedding outfit, which I thought was odd, right? Because usually you would Mm. want to reserve that for the wedding day so that, you know, people Mm. are surprised by your wedding gown or whatever. But I think it's because in Singapore, they rent their wedding gowns. So they can actually have different wedding gowns for the prenup Mm. and for the actual event. Yeah. So maybe there's still an element of surprise. But those are actually quite lavish. They spend a lot of money on that. And they would also, in the past, they would even fly somewhere else to have that. Like they would fly to Taiwan, wow, to other countries just to have that. Yeah, I think my teammate flew to Korea just to wow. have his prenuptial <laughs> pictures. Can you imagine? Oh, are so they lavish. are they Koreans? No, really? not at all. They're Singaporeans. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, if you can afford, why not? Yeah, right? yeah. Whereas in the Philippines, they do have prenuptial pictures as well, but it's usually not in the wedding attire, right? Did you have yeah. one? I think it yeah, did. I, yeah, we had one and it, yeah, we were not on our wedding attire. Yeah, because that's strange, right? Like, there's usually a Filipino tradition that the groom should not see the bride in her wedding dress before the wedding ceremony, right? Yeah. Like, when the church doors open, that should be the first time that you should, you know, 
gaze upon. Some grooms would cry because mm. they're like overwhelmed by you know how beautiful their bride looks in her mm. dress. Yeah, you're right. I think maybe it's just a different. Yeah, it's a culture thing, right? So maybe they don't yeah. believe in that. So that's why. Mm. So while the couple are busy photo shooting, the rest of the crowd would typically go to a reception location, a venue. And I think you could already start having pictures taken in the photo booth. That's what people yeah, get there are busy with. Yeah. That's a typical souvenir item. But typically in a Filipino wedding reception, mm. there's an event. There's like a, a program of events, right? Where there's an yeah. MC and there's like a flow of activities that you had to follow. And I think most commonly there's a money dance. Not just the money dance. A lot of activities that the couple would do in that reception is the first time that they would do that, right? Like mm. They would have their first meal. They would have their first, I don't know. The cutting of the cake, right? Yeah, first cutting of cakes. Mm. I think the toast also, they would drink champagne mm. or something. First dance. First the parents, right? So the, br- the bride would dance with her father and the groom would dance with his mother. And then later on, they have to give up their child to the... Co- something like that. <laughs> so I think it's kind of like a ceremonial gesture or whatever. Mm. But I know that usually that part, some people cry watching the bride watching with her father because, you know, it's like... It's a face. It's kind of... Mm. It makes it official that, oh, I'm not a child anymore. I'm not... It, it's kind of like... A ceremony wherein the father gives up the daughter to another man, something like that. But to be honest, everything here is special, right? Because you don't typically dance with your parents. Yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> like oh, where yeah. else? What other occasion would be like, unless you go to a disco or a bar together? Which why no, would you go with your parents? Really, like, it yeah. doesn't really happen. So you're right. It's it's really moving. Like it's a it's an emotional event. Mm-hmm. But what's unique in the Philippines is during the couple dance, the first dance of the couple, mm. people would approach them and attach bills of money. Oh yeah, into yeah. the attire. I think it's a unique Filipino thing. Yeah, yeah. So what happens here actually is that the while the couple is dancing, I don't know about you. Mm. I think we talked about this, and I mentioned that in Sambuanga, the people would actually pin the money on the couple's attire, right? So they're dancing mm. in the middle. Somebody would come up mm. with some money, sometimes taped together a bunch of bills, and then like <laughs> our pillar, you know, <laughs> with a safety pin, <laughs> pin it to the, 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 usually the bride's skirt. So in your case, how did that go? I think we wore a sash. Mm, and then? And then people were given like paper envelopes, like money envelopes. Like angbao? Like angbao style, and they would put the money in, and then they would attach the angbao to the sash. Oh, but how did they attach it to the sash using safety pin also? Yeah, our pillar. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, our pillar. Okay, so I think some people do that, but in Sambuanga, what I witnessed was like, for example, they would have like 10, 100 peso bills taped to each other, like as a long, you know, and it looks very oh. long, you know what I mean? And then they would put oh. it. On the back of the brides. It looks nice because it's very long. Or you're just showing off that you're giving like a lot of money or something. I don't know. Something mm. like that. But yeah, I think the angbao makes sense. Because what if you're ashamed of how much I just have only 50 pesos or whatever. Mm-mm. There is no need to <laughs> publicize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think keeping it a secret is better. Now, attaching a very long 
paper bills, that's a bit dangerous, no? What if you step on the bill and then it's now defaced or it's now damaged, then it's no longer legal tender? That's true, but... Then what if it was a 1,000 bill? Oh, oh my God, that's painful. Probably it's not that long then. Maybe I'm exaggerating about a 10. Maybe it's just like five or something. But So that's your gift. But that's different from, say, a Singapore wedding, right? Wherein the guest would typically have to search beforehand how much the reception venue costs per head yes and then that's the usual or the you know that's the amount that you should give to the bride and groom as a gift yes exactly in the philippines there's no there's nothing like that yeah you can give as much and as little as you want nobody's gonna say like why did you not even cover your food nobody Nobody, mm. yeah that's why it was for me kind of a culture shock in singapore because it was very Mm. expensive right usually what 200 Singapore dollars minimum. Yeah. And because it's always at a hotel, like usually some fancy hotel. And like I always I wish I wouldn't get invited unless it's a close <laughs> friend. Because like I can who pays that much for food? Right? <laughs> I'm very Korean. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean I got invited twice only, but they were close friends, so that was fine. But yes, I remember mm. like a friend of mine had invited by her teammate that she wasn't close to and she was really annoyed that she had to attend and, and was at very at a very expensive place also. And then the problem <laughs> is, I think you have to write your name. It's not like a secret, right? So they would know how much you gave and you will be judged. And actually, Ooh. apparently, these people, right, they list down, not because to judge people, so that they would know how much to give you on your own wedding. Can you imagine it's so, mm. <laughs> so you have to have a spreadsheet. Renante, fifty dollars. What a stingy person. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also a deterrent, right? Like yeah. if you don't want to be invited on future weddings, then give fifty dollars, and uh, then people will, hey, don't invite that guy <laughs> next time because he's very stingy. He only gives fifty dollars. Then yeah, that's, that's a solution. But that's the thing, though. Um, that is probably why they have a lot of guests because mm. they feel like even if they invite 400 people, they can get it back anyway. Most of the time, yeah. unless they invite a Filipino and maybe they won't. <laughs> 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 Whereas in the Philippines, you know that you might not be able to recover, right? Mm. So you have to like be careful about who you invite. Although, I think the Philippines standard is what? Around 100 guests to maybe 200 guests. I think that's that's yeah. usually common. I mean, 400 is a lot. And I've been to just one wedding where there were 400 guests. Been, and I was also a Chinese wedding at the same time. That's why there's a lot of people. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but typically Filipino weddings, I think 100 guests is already considered small or like you know mm. on, on the small side and the reason for that is because you have to invite your whole clan right so that alone mm. <laughs> you have so many relatives yeah <laughs> and some of them probably are not also in the same town or city so mm. they they, ha- they would have to fly and so really it it entails a lot of details mm. a lot of preparation and a lot of them like for the philippines case we spend a lot of money but we don't actually have a plan to get it back, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Unlike in Singapore, yes. where, oh, okay, <laughs> we invite the guests, but technically they are paying for their food, right? So, yeah. Uh, I just suddenly remembered something about this. I remember there was this famous blogger in Singapore. She had a wedding, and apparently her mm. reception was sponsored, but I don't think she announced it. So, like, her guests mm. covered their meals, right? And then when they found out that mm. it was sponsored, of course they were mad because... 
I paid this much at this very fancy place because I thought you would pay for it. But since this was already mm. sponsored, why are you asking me to pay for this? You're getting paid double, you know? So, uh, <laughs> right? There was a backlash. You're right, Philippines, we don't really expect. If you would give mm. cash, like 1,000 pesos is probably already considered generous. or Too much, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, aside from money, in the Philippines as well, we accept gifts in kind, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they typically would see the couple as a new family. And so, in their new household, they would require items such as rice cooker, plates, utensils, bed sheets. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then I think in the past, I don't know now if it's a thing, but it wasn't common to have a registry. Unlike in the US and mm. like in Australia or in Western countries, right? They would have a website registry mm. where in the couple I've seen in movies anyway that they could go and scan the items that they are interested in and then mm. it's in the registry so that means if somebody for example it's your wedding and then I saw in your registry that you wanted a rice cooker which you mentioned right so if I buy that it will disappear from your registry so there is no chance that it becomes bought by two different people so mm. which is good that right is really smart. yeah because yeah. I remember my friend mentioned that for her brother's wedding many years ago after the wedding, they were like inundated with so many rice cookers. You know, those things. <laughs> what are we going to do with three rice cookers? So they were giving them away to the to their family mm. members. So that's why my friend came home to our flat. She was my flatmate. Mm. And she said, why do you have so many things with you? What's that about? Mm. <laughs> One for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> and she said, oh, my brother gave away some of those extra items. But I think the registry is probably the better way to go. Well, why hasn't Amazon, or maybe Amazon already has it, right? Like, if you can... There is a wish list function in Amazon, mm. but then we don't have Amazon in the Philippines, so... No, that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if Lazada or Shopee has that. Maybe they do, we don't know. <laughs> maybe they do, yeah. <laughs> wish list, and then perhaps your wish is too, I don't know, extravagant and too pricey. It's like, me? Really? You want an iPhone Pro <laughs> something? <laughs> <laughs> who, How who is this related would, to a wedding? That? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's more expensive than your wedding. <laughs> Those are okay, but usually the friends come together, right? To pull their resources and buy one. Mm. Right? That's my ex- not in the Philippine weddings, but in other weddings, usually. Um that's what I experienced. Like, oh, they want the air fryer, like and then you ask everybody that you know. In common, like, mm. hey, do you, have you already bought something? Why don't they pull our resources and then, you know, buy one thing? Because mm. it's better than just having 10 of you and you each bought, like, one spoon. <laughs> <laughs> All of you bought spoon. Nobody bought fork now. <laughs> it's very unbalanced. <laughs> you hire a professional MC. Um, mm. And the MC, aside from running the program, also has games. To be played yeah. with the audience, yes. right? With the guests. Which I think is not the common one in other cultures, right? Like, mm. that's why Filipinos, when you attend weddings that are not Filipino, you tend to get bored because it's usually just, you know, eating and maybe there's like some Food music. and there's a slideshow and that's it. Yeah, but then in, in Philippines, we also do have the slideshow, like maybe the growing up video. And, mm. you know, at, at the end, there will be a save the date edit. Uh, no, not save the uh, date, same sorry. Day same edit. day edit, right? Mm. Yeah, which is um, a video as short as a song, right? Like maybe three minutes mm. to four minutes where it shows, you know, the highlights of the wedding ceremony mm. and the reception. But aside from that, we also have games. Like, um, I remember the last wedding I attended in the Philippines, 
there was this game wherein each of the guests or a lot of the guests were given like 20 pesos each, I think. And then mm-hmm. you would have to play Jack and Poi. <laughs> or what is Jack and Poi in English? It's like rock, paper, scissors with the mm-hmm. person next to you. And then mm-hmm. whoever wins would get the 20 pesos, right? And then you'd continue mm-hmm. doing that until in the end there's just two people. Ooh, so winner takes it all. Yes, exactly. Ooh. And it's a lot of 20 pesos, right? So that's actually a huge amount. So that kind of game, mm-hmm. like in your wedding, since you got married, do you remember what the games uh, you had were? I remember a trip to Jerusalem. Mm, okay. Where the guys would sit on the chair and then the ladies would sit on the lap. I don't know. <laughs> That type of games. Why are our games lazy? <laughs> it usually involves men and women play a different role. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one way of keeping it in the spirit of a wedding. You know, it's a celebration of unity between men and women. And so the games has to be suited to that. I guess I suppose so. And maybe you're also trying to like partner single women with single men or something like mm. that. Yes, probably that's yes, why. Yes, yes. Which gets me to the throwing of the bouquet, right? And yeah. and also the garter. Is it the garter that's thrown as well for men? I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, first of all, there's a garter. It's not the bride's mm. garter. I think in the Philippines, there's a separate fresh garter that gets mm. also thrown to the single men. And then whoever catches mm. it is supposed to be, well, the winner of the men. And the women, the the bouquet toss, which is common. The bouquet toss is common mm. for Western weddings as well, right? But the ones I witnessed in the Philippines, I think you mentioned that in your wedding, it was just normal. I think so, yeah. In the most of the weddings I've attended, that wasn't the case because... The single women do not want to catch the bouquet. Why? Because in the end, if you catch the bouquet, the guy who caught the garter will have to slip the garter onto your leg. And why would you want some stranger, unless he's very handsome or something, but why would you want some stranger to do that? Or it's you feel it's embarrassing, everybody's watching, blah, blah, blah. Usually women do not want that. Or maybe they also don't want people to say like, oh, she's so desperate to get married that she will try everything to catch the bouquet. Could be also that. I have a feeling that the MC has not put that event in a timely manner. They should have put that event right after when everybody is already drunk. (laughs) True. (laughs) So that everybody has the confidence like, yep, I'll participate. (laughs) Because if you put that at first, Mm. people are shy, people would hesitate to Mm, participate. True, true. Yeah, because in my case, they had to trick... Like, they had to have an, another game. So, usually, they would call all the single me- by name. Mm. And since I've been single all this time, I always need to be singled out. And then you have to go to mm. the front. And then there's some mm. kind of game. Maybe mm. it's kind of the trip to Jerusalem and the winners in the end will also be the ones to, you know. Ah, yeah. yeah, so whatever. So, they come up with these games and then whoever loses. So, she's the one mm. who, like, caught the bouquet and then you know the ceremony right of the ah, slipping of the garter and so all by that by default mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> by default you caught the bouquet because you're the winner <laughs> yeah something oh. like that <laughs> there are all these very odd things that go on in entourages speaking of how many times have you been in the entourage maybe twice only i was in nine <laughs> i was like twice a maid of honor once an adult Flower girl. Mm. And then the rest of the time, I was the bridesmaid. And usually the flower girls are kids. But my fr- mm. one, this friend of mine didn't want kids at her wedding because she felt they would be too rambunctious or whatever. Mm. Usually the maid of honor and the best man mm. would give a speech, right? Mm. Also followed from Western weddings, right? Like for you, yes, your best yes. man was 
your best friend or was he your brother? Yeah, I was my best friend okay. and the rest of my entourage are usually yeah, cousins, brothers. Mm. Now that you've mentioned, I've been in the entourage twice and that's mm. both of them are family weddings. Ah. When I was in the marrying age, I was already outside of the Philippines and it's quite tough to take part in weddings anymore. Like You couldn't really fly back to the Philippines and attend a wedding. It's quite expensive. You, you would take a vacation leave. For me, yes, I think most of the, I think all of those, I was already living outside the Philippines, but they were for close friends. So yeah, mm. well, one for my brother, but the rest close friends. And usually I would time that, okay, wh- whenever their wedding was, then that would be the time I fly to the Philippines that year. Mm. You know, and this is my family and everything as well. And then, yeah, the maid of honor has to give a speech. So I had to. On my first one, I was like, how do you even write a speech? And then I, I, I research how, you know, you keep putting it off. Like, okay, maybe tomorrow, oh, I have writer's ah, yeah, block, yeah. blah, blah. And then on the night before the wedding, I decided to write it. And then there was a blackout in my hometown. I said, what the hell? <laughs> like, seriously? That's and- what you get for <laughs> keeping it. Last Keeping up postponing yeah, the writing. Yeah, and then I think luckily I did manage to finish writing it, and even in the mm. dark. Can, can you walk us through how your speech went? What did you focus on? Was it like more of a historical uh, experience, or did you focus on perhaps future well wishes for the couple? Like, how did it go? Okay, that's a good question. Let me. Look for my tips on my blog because I actually wrote about it. Tips on how to write a maid of honor speech. Mm. Okay, so what I said was... One, you may ask the bride beforehand about what she expects from you. Does she want Mm. you to tell their love story? Or will someone else already do that? Mm. Obviously, if you're the maid of honor, you're close to them, you would know, right? Yeah. Because sometimes not all the guests know. Right? Maybe they're oh, just yeah. some random relative or something. <laughs> they don't even know what's... <laughs> or oh, maybe they're a wedding crasher. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it's good in the both times that I was the maid of honor. Actually, I gave speeches three times. Why? So oh, I think I was a bridesmaid and the bride still asked me to give a speech for some reason. So, yeah. By um, popular demand. By popular demand. And then, second tip is write the speech down even if it is last minute. Winging it is a no-no. Not everyone is gifted with the ability to do impromptu speeches, and even if you think you are, you do not want to run the risk of taking too long or saying something embarrassing or getting mental block and humiliating not just yourself but the bride too. Mm-hmm. And then three, practice the speech and time yourself. Try to keep it between three to five minutes because people have really short attention spans and might feel stabby if they're hungry and you take too long. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And four, start off light and insert a few jokes to get the audience's attention. Try not to speak in a monotone as this is the easiest way to bore people. Mm. And five, include interesting or funny or touching tidbits about the bride and groom's relationship. Mention why you think they make a good couple or what made you realize just how much they love each other. Then, like a good blog post, Tie that up neatly into a lesson or insight and conclude on a thought-provoking note. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> wow. It's suddenly realistic. That's like... a lot. <laughs> okay, fine. If you cannot do that, just, you know, stick to the other ones that I mentioned, I would think. Like for mm. me, maybe I'll read the last one, not the whole thing, but the last thing I said in this speech, right? I said, 
Let's raise our glass to John and Zenny. May their love be like this wine. Not that it is slightly bitter and sweet or powerful and intoxicating, though it is all that too, but that the older it becomes, the better it tastes. Was that Tanduai? Is that Tanduai? Maybe. It does sound like it could be Tanduai. <laughs> Obviously, just gauge the audience as well. But the audience really appreciated hearing the love story. Mm. From what I saw, I even got praised by the MC that, you know, it was a very good speech or maybe it was just part wow, of his speech. Nice. Who knows, right? <laughs> Did you have to run it through the bride and the groom? Like, was there like... Uh, and edit like if there's a, a, a certain detail that they don't want divulge then did they proofread your <laughs> your speech now no they want it to be a surprise but mm. they probably would say if there's something they don't want they should say that is why i mean mm. i witnessed this ceremony wherein the bride was not happy that the best man i think told her love story because she was embarrassed that it was because she met the guy online which i don't think should have been an embarrassing detail but you know it depends right maybe you're mm. conservative blah 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 so i think that is why you should at least ask the bride and groom yeah definitely is it okay do you want this or what i don't think you should show them your whole speech because then it's not a surprise anymore and you know yeah. it's nice for there to be a surprise right no Definitely, you need to prepare, right? Like, as you've mentioned, don't come unprepared because if you're drunk, if you have the influence of alcohol, then you might share details <laughs> that are embarrassing that, mm. you know, and everybody is there. Yeah. Like, your family, your extended family, the significant people of your life are there. And then... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could ruin the entire event. I can imagine. Oh yeah, I think we probably should have talked about this at the beginning. But anyway, it's fine. Let's talk about this now. It's the traditional outfits, right? So Philippine brides and grooms follow traditional Western wedding attires. So usually the groom wears a suit. I think you wore a suit, right? I wore a suit, but there are other couples who would prefer the Filipiniana motif. And so they would wear barong tagalog, yeah. The groom will wear barong tagalog, but the bride would still wear the typical Western white dress, right? I don't yeah. think there's a barot saya. <laughs> Now, in other countries like Singapore, the wedding gown is typically rented. Uh, but in the Philippines, this is usually custom-made for brides. Uh, so, Monica, your wife, did she have her dress custom-made? Yeah, she had hers done. I, I, for, I forgot. For, From where? Mm, yeah. yeah, I don't. I would be shocked if you remember. But the wedding gown, I think, is usually sewn for them. It's not really off the rack. I, I mean, I, I'm sure those are also around. But if you have the budget for it, people usually prefer... Custom-made, and from my friend's experiences, the price can range anywhere from 18,000 pesos to 250,000 pesos. What? That's, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that last price is for a velouse gown. So velouse mm. is one of the most well-known, most expensive wedding gown makers in the Philippines. I think also for celebrities or whatever. And I actually had four friends who had velouse gowns. Wow. Yeah, and one of them was picked by Veluz to be featured in a fashion magazine that featured Veluz brides. Nice. Yeah, because my, that friend of mine is very pretty. So, well, for the entourage, the groomsmen and the ring bearer would also Ooh. wear suits. And then the bridesmaids and flower girls, you see, also have custom-made dresses or maybe mm. off the rock dresses tailored to, the, to fit their measurements. But... Usually, uh, the dress was paid for by the bride and groom, right? Like, for my experience, the nine times I have never paid for a dress. 
Like mm. I think in US, yeah, usually paid you for, you yeah. have to pay for your own apparently, but usually in the Philippines, that's not the case. Some of my friends have said like, oh, my gift to the bride and groom is just to pay for the dress. That's also an mm. option, right? You yeah. could do that, but usually it's the bride and groom who pays for it. Speaking of measurements taken, that's usually a problem as well, right? Because mm. it would take time for the dresses and the suits to be ready. And mm. so you probably would take measurements maybe five months <laughs> oh, yeah. before the wedding. And, you know, <laughs> we change. Yes. We eat a lot or it no longer fits. And it usually is a problem, right? Because mm. the seamstress, all the tailors, they're very busy. And so mm. they usually would give you the final product probably two days or even the night before mm -mm. the wedding. And if <laughs> if it doesn't fit, oh, no, then there will be a lot of alpiler. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're with the alpiler again. Yes, yes. I think I have experienced that for my bridesmaid dress. Yeah, there are those instances, yes. And especially for OFWs, because usually OFWs still opt to get married in the Philippines. Mm. So it's very tricky because... They have to have several wedding gown fittings and, you know, you have to yeah. fly back and forth just to do it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's cheaper to have it sewn in the Philippines, right? Compared to oh, wherever no. you are. That is why, yeah. And then you get a velous gown. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes, can you imagine? It's going to cost a kidney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, yes. I think that was it. Yeah, that was it. And why don't we close this episode by talking about the fact that a lot of people actually spend a lot of money to prepare for a wedding, right? Yeah. And usually some people would even go into debt mm. just so they could afford the ideal wedding, that wedding of their dreams. Mm. And to me personally, it's, I don't know, it's a gamble, right? You have mm. two choices. Either you spend more than your means and you take that loan to pay for your wedding or you could perhaps use that loan to maybe get a mortgage on your house. So people would argue that, you know, you do it only once because there's no divorce in the Philippines. Yes. So <laughs> it happens only once in your life. And so you have to make it special and whatever it is that you want, you have to at least find a way to afford the wedding that you like. If you can afford a velous gown because, you know, you earn a lot of money, then fine. But if you will just, as you said, take a loan just so you can show hmm. people that you're a velous bride, then... It's not Probably worth it. Is yeah. Not worth it yeah. <laughs> and the gown is just one expense, right? You've mentioned the same day edit. That costs at least 100,000 pesos. Yes, especially if you get this famous ones as well. Mm. Yeah, and then there's just so many costs. The food. The food. The venue. Mm. <laughs> All the venue. these things, so many things. The MC. Yes, the photographer. <laughs> That's also a separate cost. There's a lot of things. Mm. So you should probably be practical. And yes. spend within your means. Think of yes. not just the wedding, but the marriage, right? Yes. And there's a statistic about, in, in the U.S. at least, that the more expensive the wedding is, the the more likely it is to not end up successfully. Oh, why is that? It's, it, it's probably because they get stressed from the I'm, death. I'm not sure. I mean, one of the top reasons why couples fight is money. Yeah, I think that's number one. Think, oh my God, we spent this much and then we need to pay interest on the debt that we had for one party. It's too mm. much. So maybe that's why. I wonder it, what collateral will the bank accept? Like, oh, I'm going to take a loan for a wedding. Okay, I'll get the washing machine. As 
No, I imagine they don't take out a loan. They probably just charge everything to the credit card. And the interest for that is crazy. No, 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 no. Never do that. Yeah. <laughs> Never charge it to your credit card. If you can't repay the entire balance of the credit card, just don't charge it through credit card. It's, it's astronomical, the interest rate. Mm, yep, exactly. Yeah. If you have anything to share about your own wedding experiences, did we say something that struck a chord with you? Let us mm. know through the useful channels. You can message us through Instagram at Podcast or email us on bananakeepodcast at gmail.com and uh, the best ones will be featured on Cutie Minute. It's time minute. for our followers. Cutie Minute. Your thoughts in our voice. Cutie Minute. Not really one minute, but we're calling it Cutie Minute. Today, we only have one cutie and it's Emily in Paris. No, not the one from the Netflix TV series, <laughs> but a blogger of a website called tablierenmovement.com. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly because it's in French. So she is also based in Paris and she wrote a blog post called Four Great Filipino Culture Podcasts for 2022 and featured Banana Key Podcast. So that's Yay. what we would like to feature here. And the, the actual blog post is in French. So I will not attempt to read that because I'll probably butcher the pronunciation. But luckily, we have Google Translate. So that's Thank what you, I will Google. read. Yes. Okay, so she said, Banana Q is a reference to Banana Q, scoobers of bananas fried in brown sugar. This podcast is hosted by the wonderful hosts Dee and Ray, both OFWs or Filipino Overseas Workers. Longtime friends, they share their good humor and humor. I, I guess this is a different word, but Google Trends. They share their good humor and humor through each episode. There is always a little sketch that introduces the subject, something to start the podcast in a positive way. The episodes last on average between 30 and 55 minutes and are released weekly. It's hands down one of my favorite podcasts on Filipino culture. Ooh, thank you. It's both funny and very informative. The hosts manage to joke around without ever straying off too far from the topic and having a relevant opinion. They use their experience and share many personal anecdotes. I also like the cutie minute at the end of each episode. Minute, which is actually not a minute. Hmm? Yeah, it's not It's not really <laughs> <Yes>. a minute. Because <laughs> it's really not a minute. I like this. <laughs> I didn't get it until like, huh? what does she mean? And yeah, it's not really one minute. Because we babble a lot. <laughs> this is a time to read messages from listeners, which I find very interactive. Wow, mm. thank you. And Emily, you're in the cutie minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because you like it, we have featured you in it. I hope yes. you have listened to this and... Thank you very much for blogging about us. That was very nice. Mm. And it's nice that we actually have reached... I'm not entirely sure actually if she... she I think she's Filipino, but she didn't grow up in the Philippines. So that's probably ah. why she is interested in the culture, right? So that's good yeah. that I think some people mentioned... Wait, where did I read this? I don't know. Was it in the comments or somewhere? Someone mm. mentioned that they like listening to our podcast because it tells them about the motherland. So I believe... These are the <laughs> these are the Filipinos who were born elsewhere, right? And are interested in learning about the culture, what it's like to actually grow up in the Philippines. So, thank you very much, Emily in Paris. <laughs> thank you, Emily in Paris. Unfortunately, I don't know any French. I only know that song from Vuli Vuli. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but that's not. <laughs> 
Mulan Rouge. Yes. But it's not appropriate, so I'm not gonna say Yeah, it. yeah. I think I know Mademoiselle, so that's me. So Mademoiselle. I think Merci beaucoup, Mademoiselle Emily. I don't know if that was mm. pronounced correctly, but yeah. Ah, baguette. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Ah, sorry, I think I know. Mm. Umele lu fromage <laughs> from Dexter's <laughs> Laboratory. <laughs> Umele lu fromage. You remember that? I remember that episode. It's very funny. <laughs> I think um, 90s kids will understand the 90s reference. Kids yeah. Will remember. yeah. Yep. All right. Thank you very much. All That's right. it. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. <laughs>